Greetings and salutations, sports fans nationwide. You have entered the Sports Opinion Log podcast. I'm your host, the sports historian, Lex Anderson, burning the midnight oil because so much stuff just happened today. And it's just going to be a great episode because I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. Starting with what happened earlier tonight, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat. Where do we start? Well, one, let's start with the fact that the Miami Heat have a 2-0 series lead after defeating the Boston Celtics 111-105 final score because Grant Williams wants to run his mouth. I'm not going to say that tired cliche spiel that everybody else is saying, the parrots about, you know, uh, quoting Dylan Brooks in regards to bothering a certain animal that resides in the forest. That's all I'm going to say. The reality is, though, is that I will repeat what the king, LeBron James, had said about role players talking like starters and how he hates it. And I hate it, too. But to quote The Rock, know your role and shut your mouth. Because the Boston Celtics were up by 12. Grant Williams wants to make a three. Starts joining with Jimmy Butler, a.k.a. Jimmy Buckets, a.k.a. Hemi Butler, a.k.a. Jimmy Playoffs. It's like all these announcers are fighting themselves to come up with a new nickname to describe the heroics of Jimmy Butler. As the Miami Heat go on like a 24-9 run, sealing the game. And it's like, yeah, that's what happens when you talk trash and you can't back it up. You get torched, you get benched, and then you watch from the sideline as your team, the Boston Celtics, give away home court advantage, falling down 0-2, and now they're going to Miami. Ida Prophet had decreed that as much as I hate the Boston Celtics, I had said Celtics in six thinking that they had a better team than Jimmy Butler with his undrafted teammates going around. Uh, Caleb Martin being one of them off the bench, 25 points, four rebounds on the floor during winning time while Kyle Laurie is on the bench, waving the towel, cheering his teammates on to victory. Bam Adebayo, 22 points, 17 rebounds, 9 assists, one short of a triple-double. And again, Jimmy Butler, 27 points, 6 assists, 3 steals. Now, dare I say that the Celtics are going to be swept? Well, in all likelihood, they gave away home court, so they're potentially going down to Miami to get eliminated. In all likelihood. Because unlike the Lakers who are down 0-2, they're coming home to Crypto.com Arena. The Denver Nuggets, they did what they were supposed to do, which was defend their home court. But the Boston Celtics gave up their home court. Maybe they might win one. But sadly, as with the 76ers, they just stayed giving away home court. 
What's the purpose of fighting so hard in the regular season if you're going to give up home court so easily in the playoffs? And now the number eight seeded Miami Heat, who needed to win two playing games, are now two wins away from going back to the NBA Finals. And you know what's in Miami? Sharks. And when they smell blood, they go in for the kill. <laughs> and they're going to kill. <laughs> they are going to kill the freaking Boston Celtics. And deservedly so. The fake dynamic duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they did not make a single field goal in the fourth quarter tonight. That is absolutely damning. And post-game, reporters are asking Jalen Brown about Grant Williams making a mistake in regards to Jimmy Butler. The man says, next question. <laughs> oh, Lord. And Tatum in the fourth quarter when the light shined the brightest... He folds like a cheap chair in Family Dollar. You know, the kind like where you fold it, but it doesn't fold all the way. It's like partially midway and it's so annoying as you're pushing and pushing on the chair and eventually you push it to the point where it just breaks. And not to say that Tatum is broken, but if you can't deliver on your home court, why would I have any faith? in you that you can go into enemy territory and come out alive. Highly doubt it. So yeah, I just wanted to uh, get that out the way. <laughs> oh my God. Oh boy. So now on to the other team, which is facing its own 0-2 deficit. The Lakers... And this game was on, what are we, we're on, well, now it's Saturday. That's what happens when you burn the midnight oil. You kind of mess up the time zone thing. But on Thursday night, May 18th, the Denver Nuggets went up 2-0 on the LA Lakers because the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, dropped 23 fourth quarter points for the 108-103 final score victory. And the Lakers are in this situation because... Well, one, Darvin Ham keeps putting out terrible lineups throughout the game. Why are you not having Vanderbilt start in the fourth quarter? Why would you go small? Why would you go with a small lineup in game one? And it's very disappointing because when I read the stat lines, it all seems to point to a Lakers win. But that's not the case. It also doesn't help that the Lakers as a team, 8 of 30 from 3. They've got to stop shooting threes. The Lakers wasted a wonderful game by Rui Hashimura with 21 points. Austin Reeves, 22 points. LeBron James, 22 points as well. Anthony Davis, only 18, 4 of 15 from the field. Disheartening to say the least. Sadly, it seems that the Lakers are going to continue shooting threes. 
I, I don't really understand this. As a matter of fact, as I click on the tab, it says, despite poor shooting in game two loss, Lakers vow to let it fly. As for LeBron James, he missed all six of his three pointers in this loss, including going 0 for 3 in the fourth quarter to have extended his streak of 19 straight threes he has failed to convert in the fourth quarter this postseason. Anthony Davis missed 11 of his 15 field goal attempts. So these are all self-inflicted wounds that the Lakers are inflicting on themselves. The Lakers could easily be up 2-0, but I have to deal with the reality. And the reality says that the Lakers are down 0-2, but thankfully they're coming back home to Crypto.com Arena and hopefully they can right the ship because honestly they cannot afford to lose a home game. You see the Denver Nuggets, they are perfect at home, 8-0 in the playoffs this postseason. And as a team, they are 6-0, went up 2-0 in a playoff series. Thankfully, we have the king, the chosen one. We are all witnesses to his greatness, LeBron James. We have a man who has not once, not twice, but three times has overcome an 0-2 series deficit. So we will find out what happens on Saturday. As for Nikola Jokic, let me give him his flowers. And Jamal Murray, of course, the, again, the return of the Blue Arrow. Uh, I don't really want to get into the negatives about Coach Mike Malone talking about, oh, the national media narrative is focusing on the Lakers when we're winning and we're being disrespected. Don't care to hear it. It is what it is. Because the Nuggets have yet to get to in NBA Finals, or at least win, win an NBA Finals, excuse me. I know I have a meme out here somewhere, which I gotta look for, sadly. As much as I think I do a good job of deleting pictures from my iPad. But however, I digress. It is not, you know, yeah, cry to the media. The, the media is the one who's counting you out. I'm like, what do you want us to do? We can't do anything about that. All, all you can do is put the let the world know who you are and get to an NBA Finals. Now, when the Lakers were down and out and no one was giving them a chance, I had already said that I would prefer for the Denver Nuggets to get to and win the NBA Finals. But of course, the Lakers have defied the odds in history and are... Facing the Denver Nuggets, I, I, the Prophet, had decreed Lakers in six, which I still stand by. Not so much for the Celtics, but then again, to hell with Boston. The team, the organization, and their fan base can all go to hell. <laughs> but let me give Nikola Jokic his props and what he's done, because uh, this man, who again, who again I said should have been the MVP... It's pretty much unstoppable. So it's up to the job of the Lakers to do everything else. You got to shut down everybody else around Nikola. Let him get his triple-double. Like, I really don't care. And let's see. Okay, so Nikola Jokic now tied for third time. Okay, yeah, and playoff triple-doubles. You know what? I think I'm repeating myself here. My apologies. 
Yeah, I had said this in the last video. I gotta start deleting my pictures. But, however, in this win over the Lakers, he did drop another triple-double. So, hold on here. As I go to the box score, 23 points, 12 assists, 17 rebounds. Four of them were offensive rebounds. So, he is the first player in NBA playoff history to have four straight games of 20-plus point triple-doubles. There you go. So everybody's been given their flowers or roses or whatever for what they've accomplished. Uh, again, for the Lakers, stop shooting threes. Like, stop. Attack the paint. Like, this makes no sense. Especially when I see someone like Michael Porter Jr., who, Jesus Christ... You know, this dude is, like, really tall. And when I see someone like Austin Reeves matched up against him, I'm like, this isn't really going to go well. So I need a big lineup. I need to see Vanderbilt, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Rui Hashimura. Did I name everybody? Vanderbilt, LeBron, Rui, AD, and then throw in Austin Reeves. That, to me, would be the perfect starting lineup at this point. Again, like I say, all hands on deck. We need all hands on deck to, you know, deal with Nicola. But let's see. Lakers better come out swinging, that's for sure. Because, sadly, these games are... They have been down to the wire. Very winnable. But, unfortunately, the Lakers just aren't doing enough to get the Ws. So now it's time for them to hold serve in Crypto.com Arena and for the Lakers to continue being unbeaten at home. So uh, as I burned the midnight oil on this first ever podcast episode past the midnight hour, I am coming back with some baseball talk. So uh, stick around with me. Back again, Sports Opinion Log, Sports Historian Lex Anderson. Thank you for tuning in. At whatever time you are listening to this, as I am burning the midnight oil on this first ever midnight and later podcast episode, talking, of course, about my and your New York Yankees, the toast of Major League Baseball. Uh, I will talk about what happened against the Toronto Blue Jays. But first, let's talk about what happened earlier today back in Cincinnati for the first time since 2017. All I can tell you is all rise for the judge. Aaron Judge hits a solo home run shot that sails 431 feet into the Cincinnati night sky. Anthony Rizzo with the Riz. Two-run shot, make that 4-2-4, 424 feet into the Cincinnati night sky in the sixth inning. And with two outs in the ninth inning, the Yankees tack on three more runs for the 6-2 final score victory over the Cincinnati Reds, ruining their Nike City Connect debut uniform 
night. And I am all here for it because if you follow me on Twitter, Sports Opinion Log, if you follow me on TikTok, Sports Opinion Log, I talk about the Nike City Connect jerseys, still seeking and looking for sponsorship to get one of those bad boys so I can add it to my wonderful content that I've made for your viewing and listening pleasure. I made mention that last year when the Kansas City Royals debuted their Nike City Connect jerseys, that the Yankees swept them over that weekend series. And I thought that the Cincinnati Reds were going to be wearing these unis for the entire weekend. But uh, according to the people broadcasting the game for the Yes Network, they said that they will only be wearing it for a uh, Friday night from here on out. It looks better on the field than in the pictures. Uh, of course, I know some people have an issue with the Texas Rangers and their City Connect jerseys because they have black pants. For some reason, Nike with these City Connect jerseys, they're just like obsessed with black pants. Uh, the Texas Rangers, again, their black pants, it's horrible. I don't like the look of it. I saw it earlier today watching a MLB Network as I was getting ready to make this baseball podcast episode for the Cincinnati Reds. It does work. It's a, it's a, supposed to be a futuristic thing, hearkening to the past and now. Uh, if you do or don't know, Cincinnati was the first team, was the first city, excuse me, to have a Major League Baseball team. So, you know, that's pretty cool, pretty snazzy. Yeah, so it seems that they will only be worn for Friday home games throughout the rest of the season and in 2024. So that's pretty cool. Uh, again, I, you know, I like the piping. A lot of people don't really like the look of the C. The C logo, you know, looks kind of wavy and futuristic and stuff like that. But, you know, the font, the lettering, it's pretty cool. But again, seeking corporate sponsorship. If you give me one, I will gladly, be it a hat or a jersey, I will gladly make that piece of product as proud as one can see and have. But let's go back to the original talk about this. Aaron Judge has now hit his seventh home run in the last seven games. Beautiful thing to see. And seeing the bromance between him and Anthony Rizzo is just so beautiful. It touches one's heart. Special shout out though in this game to Clark Smith. Uh, he did put two runners on, uh, Cordero in relief when he was pulled, allowed those two to score, but then he held it down. The Yankees bullpen allowed zero earned runs over the course of those uh, the last four innings, which is great. Because <sighs> again, you know, we have that issue with Domingo Arman, who will be out. But like I've talked about previously, it seems that on the road, the Yankees continue to be targeted by these umpires because, hold on here, one of the umpires was checking Clark Smith's hands and he told him to, you know, go wash his hands. And when he went to go wash his hands, freaking the Reds uh, coach, Bell, he got ejected for arguing, David Bell, excuse me. So, I don't know. It, 
you know, the stuff with the rosin and stuff like, you know, I guess when you're when the, when you're the New York Yankees, you're always gonna have a target on your back. It seems so. You know, thankfully they didn't eject them because if they ejected him, that would have followed with a 10-game suspension as well. So, like I like to talk about though, when the Yankees, the Bronx Bombers, when they're on the road, one of two things happen. They're going to put fans in the stands and someone is always going to get a souvenir. Oh, and the third thing, a chance to witness MLB history. Because again, Judge, seven home runs in his last seven games and two of them were multi-homer games as for the Reds they have lost for the fourth time in five games again Rizzo mentioned earlier his 10th home run of the season all rise for the judge with his 13th of the season and let we'll talk about I'll spend some time talking about Aaron Boone right who made his big league debut with the Reds back in 1997 returning to his roots for the first time as a manager for the New York Yankees. The last time Aaron Boone was there was when he was the analyst for the Nationwide Sports Leader back during the All-Star Game weekend in 2015. And Boone is, as we all know, or if you don't know, he is a third-generation baseball player. Boone played for the Reds until he was traded to the Yankees in 2003. Remember, that brought in A-Rod, right? And Boone's older brother, Brett, played in Cincinnati from 1994 to 98. And their father, Bob Boone, was the Reds manager from 2001 to 2003. So I am sure that he is very happy that the Yankees were able to pick up this win in his return. So that is sweet. Uh, The Yankees have not announced their starting pitcher for, I would say, tomorrow, but later today. And uh, depending on what time, again, you're listening to this podcast episode, the Yankees will be playing the Cincinnati Reds first thing Sunday morning on Peacock. So make sure you tune in at, uh, I think the game starts like around 1130, but you know, set that alarm so you can get up nice and early, have a good Sunday breakfast or say a good prayer for your beloved New York Yankees and, uh, you know, taking some Sunday morning baseball, which I actually enjoy when waiting for the Yankees to start their Sunday games, which tend to be at 105 early in the afternoon when they're playing at home. So uh, I look forward to taking in some Sunday morning baseball again on Peacock. So that should be very cool. Um, excuse me for um, um, umming. <laughs> Let me get a sip of this water real quick because I do want to talk about how the Yankees took the series from the Toronto Blue Jays, right? That was on Thursday night, final score 4-2. Just getting that water in real quick, where we had, again, all rise for the judge, Aaron Judge and Anthony Volpe, each homered. Freaking Aaron Hicks went three for four. Nasty Nesta Cortez, six sparkling innings with six strikeouts and two earned runs and one walk. Ron Marinaccio gets his first save of the season, going one inning, zero earned runs and zero Ks and zero walks. Again, as the Yankees 
take the fourth and final game of a four-game set and take the series. Final score on that was 4-2. So, you know, it's it's a long season. It's a, it's a very long season. Um, after Nancy Nestor to Cortez, Ryan Weber worked the inning. Albert Abreu pitched the eighth. And again, Ron Marinacio finished for actually his first career save. So not just his first save of the season for the Yankees. It's his first career save. And it seems that they actually have a nickname for their uh, bullpen, which I'm sure they will market and sell T-shirts. The Funky Bunch, a quartet comprised of Michael King, Clay Holmes, Jimmy Cordero, and Wandy Peralta, who are again unavailable for that game in question on Thursday night. Uh, Bo Bichette did homer in the bottom of the first inning, but Toronto thankfully lost its first home series of the season after winning five straight, which is a testament to the power of, again, the New York Yankees, which I love it. I'm here for it. hi yi And we got to Jose Barrios. He ends up going three record of three and four. He allowed three runs and six hits in six and two thirds inning. Losing for the first time since April 19th at Houston. He, despite him walking only one and striking out eight. So, whew, that's pretty cool. And again, the testament of Aaron Judge. He homered four times in this series, including two home runs in Monday's opener and the tie-breaking shot in the eighth inning of the Tuesday's 6-3 win. So, that's great. Again, Toronto Blue Jays broadcasters trying to make alleged false accusations about Judge accusing him of sign stealing because he glanced into his own bullpen. Mm -mm -mm. However, Blue Jays reliever Jay Jackson did acknowledge that he was tipping his pitches. Mm. Nice of him to fall on the sword and admit to his own inept and in, excuse me, his ineptitude and incompetence. But let's just face it, Aaron Judge is just overall and all around that good of a hitter. His game has evolved and he is not just a home run hitter. He will put the ball in play, but if you put it in the right spot, it'll wind up in the stands, cracking signs. <laughs> yeah, love to see it, love to see it, so... Uh, you know, honestly, though, but back to the Yankees and tonight against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, like I had said before, it's a long season. Uh, Jose Trevino, he is now on the IL for like 10 to 15 days. I can, I only can hope that one day there'll be a full Yankee squad. At 100%. You know, that's all I can honestly hope for. Uh, so many injuries. And then Domingo with the sticky fingers. Hit with a 10-game suspension. I don't even want to, you know, honestly, I don't even want to... I don't want to say upset myself. But whenever someone comes back 
I just look forward to their return. I don't know how guys who continually are looking at the you know medical reports on who's on the IL, who's getting called up, who's getting recalled. No thanks. Keep me out of it. I just will await the return of anybody at this point. When you have, I think this is like, what, 17 or 18 players now? Last time I talked, it was 15. Jose Trevino, you know, like, Jesus Christ. Well, let's see what the training room says here. Uh, hold on here. Okay, I don't have anything. All right. So, yes, the Yankees continue to roll. And with this victory, the Yankees are 9-3 and three in their last 12 games. So that's great. So if I check the standings. Oh, and by the way, Toronto, right, Blue Jays fans, you will forever be a doormat to the New York Yankees, who are now in third place. Okay, 27 and 20, six and a half games out of first place, three games back from second place, which is occupied by the Baltimore Orioles currently, who are 29 and 16. That's great. I will take it. And I do have something special for in closing, which I would like to make another segment about, but I can't because I'm not really that well versed in the topic, even though I love to watch it. And that would be the NHL. And we are right now in the conference finals, right? Earlier tonight, we had in the West Finals, the Las Vegas Golden Knights defeating the Dallas Stars 4-3. That's the final in overtime. But I am talking about what I saw on Thursday, which spilled over into Friday, which is why I guess I'm doing this Burning the Midnight Oil Midnight podcast episode, because on Thursday, the Florida Panthers defeated the Carolina Hurricanes. Final score... 3-2, final in four overtimes. And I was awake because I needed to see who would win this game because it was truly a game after the second overtime, honestly, that whoever slipped up and made that error, the other team would capitalize and it would lead them to victory. So number one, it was the... Sixth longest game in NHL history. Matthew Tukachuk won it for the Panthers with the winning goal. And, you know, just shout out to the fans, man. You know, I'm all about the fans and the experience and seeing the fans. (laughs) I know the concession stands had closed a long time ago. I'm like, when you're talking about four overtimes, we're talking about these teams played two games and an overtime quarter, right? <laughs> it was, And what made it even more insane is that the winning goal was scored with like 30... Oh, sorry. Tukachuk took a feed from Sam Bennett after Florida won a battle for the puck as Carolina tried to clear it from the zone and he whipped a shot from the right circle past the Carolina Hurricanes goalie, Anderson, with 12.7 seconds left. Folks, we're talking about less than 30 seconds 
we were away from a potential fifth overtime. And when I saw that puck go through, I just couldn't believe it. And uh, to Kachuk, he literally took off running. He skated off the ice and immediately took to the tunnel. It was hilarious. And it was the longest game in either franchise's history on top of being the sixth longest game in NHL history. And that is scary. A four overtime game. This game ended like around two in the morning. And you're telling me that it was the sixth longest game? As for the Florida Panthers, and, and by the way, this was a Florida Panther victory over the Carolina Hurricanes in their house. This was a road win. This is crazy. So the Florida Panthers have now won their seventh straight road game in these playoffs and in, and improved to 5-0 and oh in overtime. I'm like, this game ended nearly six hours after the puck dropped. Like, you know, and a testament to the players, a testament to the strength, the conditioning, the coaches, the announcers. Like, every time it was going into intermission, <laughs> the announcers who were doing the intermission, oh, they, they were all getting on Wayne Gretzky from coming back from a, being on a break. And they're like, oh, you come back from break and this is what happens. We get awarded with a multiple overtime game and they're like scrounging for snacks and talking about changing their 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 uh suits <laughs> changing out the clothes but you know and sadly it was a game that someone had to lose um hold on here sergi bobrovsky made 63 saves this was truly a battle of goaltenders and anderson Finished with 57 saves for Carolina. Man, like... And good job for the refs. Like, the referees, they definitely... Like, just just shout out to everybody involved. Like, it was crazy. Okay, but in terms of the sports stuff, Florida hasn't been to the Eastern Conference Finals since 1996. They, if you do or don't know, they took down the Boston Bruins following their record-setting 65 wins and 135 points. And then they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had won their first playoff series in nearly two decades. And now they've given the Carolina Hurricanes, who have the league's second-best regular season record, their first series deficit of the postseason. Of course, the Hurricanes themselves are no joke. They're in the Eastern Conference. They're in the Eastern Final, excuse me, for the second time in five years. <sighs> wow. Getting past, of course, the Islanders in six games, and they dispatched the New Jersey Devils in five. Uh, however, they ended up losing their ninth straight game in the conference final round, dating to 2009. Woo. Oh, but here's a tidbit, though. Uh, as This is probably the longest in closing you've ever heard. The longest game in NHL history came on March 24th, 1936, when the Detroit Red Wings beat the Montreal Maroons one 
6-0 in the sixth overtime on Mud Bruinto's goal at 116 minutes, 30 seconds of extra play. Wow. Florida's previous record for longest game was 104 minutes and 31 seconds in game four of the 1996 Stanley Cup final against Colorado. And Carolina's previous record was 114 minutes, 47 seconds for game three of the 2002 Stanley Cup finals as well. And both teams had lost those games. <laughs> oh, the, it, the world of sports could be so cruel. So, so cruel. Wow. So, and uh, again, tonight... We had the Golden Knights dispatching the Dallas Stars in overtime. And hopefully I'm getting this right because I know they talked about it. They were saying that this is the first time in the West and East finals that the game one started in overtime since I believe 2017. Uh, but as for the Golden Knights, it was Brett Howden who scored from behind the net off of Dallas Stars goalie. Jake Ottinger at a minute and 35 seconds into overtime on that Friday night. And let me tell you something. The way he slapped that puck behind Ottinger was so hilarious. He lays out on his back and you just see the puck going into the net. <laughs> oh my God. It was the third time in four meetings this season that these teams went beyond regulation to do to determine the winner, Dallas won twice in the regular season in shootouts. That is crazy. Game two is Sunday in Las Vegas. Okay, so hopefully I was right about that. Game one, being game one in the East and West Finals being in uh going into overtime for the first time since 2017. So, but if not, I will correct myself. Uh, you can always find me again on TikTok. And YouTube, Sports Opinion Log. That's where you can find me, the sports historian, Lex Anderson. Thank you very much for tuning in to my first ever Burning the Midnight Oil, Midnight and After Midnight podcast episode. Until next time, sports fans nationwide, Lex Anderson signing out.